Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. After they had eaten the supper, Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers, together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the chief priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised Jesus, the Jews, advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching, and Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, for all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. 
one of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, This man were not a criminal. We would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. They replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. So you are a king. You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? After he had said this, Pilate went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. They answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he is claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, 
or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. Pilate said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the people read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but this man said I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says, They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, in order to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Stand. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. 
So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred weight. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Please sit. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He gave it all for us, his body, his spirit, even his own mother. Everything, all he possessed in order to bring us back home to the Father. He drank the cup of being a human to the last drop. His heart, pierced wide open by a sword, was meant to reveal that no sin of yours could stop him from loving you. This truth should cause us to tremble. Tremble, as all creation did at that hour. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the sky darkened, and Jesus cried out, It is finished. Whatever has come between you and God or God and you at that hour was settled, settled forever. All the horrible things we have done or the good we have failed to do that we could never make up for 
even if we were given a hundred lifetimes, was accomplished on this day on the cross. For us, for all who had ever lived, and for all who would live. The debt was paid. It is finished. The Father knew the seriousness of sin. He knew that sin was not a weakness that we ourselves could overcome, but a condition that we needed to be saved from. The Father's love for you compelled Him to give His only Son. The Father was thinking of you as He watched His Son die. The Father heard His Son's last request for you. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. As parents yourselves, you know the depth of love for your children. You know that you would go to the end of your strength to save them. Today, think of what great love the Father has shown us that we were worth this much to Him. You know, you can put a price tag on anything for any amount you want, but it's only worth what someone is willing to pay. Now you are worth what God was willing to pay for you. And what did He pay for you? The precious blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Something that is infinitely valuable. Something of which you can put no price tag on. And if you can grasp that thought that God was willing to pay the blood of His Son to bring you back home, you will never have a problem with self-worth again because you're worth what God was willing to pay for you. God's passionate love for us is beyond our calculating minds. We can't overthink it. We just need to surrender to it, rest in it, and to live out of it. This news story has never left me after 34 years. On December 7, 1988, an earthquake devastated a section of Armenia, killing 25,000 people. It was a bad day. In one small town, just after the earthquake, a father rushed to his son's school, only to find that the school had been completely flattened. There was no sign of life. Though his prospects appeared hopeless, the father, with his bare hands, began removing rubble from where he believed the son's classroom had been. People told the father, give up, that there's no chance that any of the pupils could be alive. With strength and endurance beyond himself, this faithful, loving father continued to dig for eight hours, 12, 24, 36 hours, and in the 38th hour, as he heaved away a heavy piece of rubble, he heard voices. A child's voice came through. Dad, it's me, Armin. I told the other kids not to worry. I told them that if you were alive, you'd save me. And when you saved me, they'd be saved. You promised you'd always be there for me, Dad. You did it. Moments later, the dad was helping his son Armin and 13 more frightened, hungry, thirsty children climb out of the debris. For the father, Armin, and these children, this was a good day. Do you realize that God, our Father, is in the rescue business? He's made the greatest effort possible to rescue us from a terrible predicament, a predicament that started in the garden. Paradise is a Greek word for garden. And God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, the paradise of Eden. And from paradise, Adam and Eve are driven out. 
When God expelled them, he placed an angel to the east of the Garden of Eden with flaming swords to keep watch over the way to the tree of life. Eve had then become the mother of all the living. All children and all families would come from her. Her firstborn son became a murderer as he killed his own brother. And from that day on, the human family has been one long train wreck. Brother rises against brother. Parents, parents alienated from their children. Mankind is in exile. Generations wander the earth, restless and lonely, repeating the same sins, carrying the same weaknesses. They ache to return to the garden they've never seen. They yearn to find a peace they've not known. They attempt to build kingdoms on sand, but at the heart of everything is a deep loneliness. We are far from home. The gates of paradise are closed. An angel barred the way back. We can never get back on our own. All the sad wreckage of mankind's history is piled up on this day. All our sins, mistakes, and stubborn pride are gathered in a heap and planted on that heap is a cross. Stretched out in agony on the cross, Jesus turns his head, he looks into a human face, and he says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus has found the way back to the garden. His own life is the way. He's opened the gate wide. His body is the door. He's gone right back to the start of the human story, back to where Adam and Eve went wrong, back to where each one of us has gone wrong, and he has made it right. The criminal beside him on the cross has played our part. All his life, he repeated Adam's gestures, and it has led to this, a criminal condemned to die, exiled from society, cast out, rejected, and ashamed, and we have all played the same part. The thief's penalty is Adam's penalty is our penalty. But Jesus looks at this poor, banished son of Adam, and he says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. No merit of his own except his appeal to Jesus. Lord, remember me. Human history began with the great migration, our exile out of paradise, and now it is finished. Now the great migration returning to the garden has begun. We can go home and be with God once more. Here is the wonder of the cross. This ending is our new beginning because Adam's journey ends here. The journey of the new Adam can begin. The whole human story has a new start now. Now at last, eternal life. Our lives start here where his life ends. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. It's finished, but it's only just begun. Now for the first time, the world has hope. It's been given the way back home. Jesus is the way. Good Friday. The victory of the cross has opened up paradise. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. So today, Heaven begins in our hearts, as St. Catherine said, all the way to heaven is heaven. Today is a good day.